Welcome to the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And today on the podcast, we launch into this Advent season by exploring the hymns and the carols that speak to our soul. And we have an incredible special guest with us. Today, joining us on the podcast is a guy who was very meaningful for my development as a young man and as a follower of Jesus in college, and a man who knows about just as much as anybody in the world about church music and hymns and carols and and what it means to be a follower of Jesus and work through uh, the church uh, in in the realm of Christian music. Dr. C. Randall Bradley is with us in the building, and and I got to get this right, Dr. Bradley. He is the Ben H. Williams Professor of Music. He's a professor of church music, the director of the church music program, and the Center of Christian Music Studies, and also the director of the men's choir, which is where we knew each other the best back in the day, 2002 to 2006. Um, I heard, Daniel, you wore a lot more flip-flops in that day and age. Oh, yeah. I I had the Birkenstock tan. Uh, It was... was, it was a it was a real good look. Um, I went back uh, to a basketball game at Baylor not long ago, and they had a picture on the in the practice facility of the bear pit from when I was in college, and I was on the wall. And let's just say it wasn't just a bad shoe season; it was a bad hair season. There was a lot of struggles back in the day, um, but we had a great time. We sang a lot of amazing stuff, and we got to experience a lot of amazing stuff. Um, Dr. Bradley led a choir that, you know, we helped open the Southwest ACDA convention. Uh, we sang and danced at the same time, which was kind of scandalous for, for Baylor. Right. Um, and then we went on to, uh, we were part of the first Baylor in Africa trip that went to, to Kenya. Uh, and we had a kind of a cultural expression and immersion, um, experiencing worship in, in a profound way and, and sharing the gift of music and receiving the gift of music. It was a great time. Absolutely. Dr. Bradley, I don't know what you remember from that, but I remember being in charge of the money, which was a little bit scary and, and coming back and we were sitting in your office and we had to make all the receipts match because they had scared you. Cause this was Baylor's first trip. Any dime that wasn't accounted for was coming out of your paycheck. And you were looking at me like, Make this spreadsheet work. (laughs) (laughs) Did it line out? Oh, it lined out. It was a long time ago, but a very good and amazing time. If you had to explain your job in in a paragraph to people, what would you say you get to do for a living, Dr. Bradley? Well, actually, I get to do uh, all these things that I love doing, and I think that I I use the word about my life that I get to do rather than I have to do Mm. uh, because I love Mm. to do things I do. I feel uh, immensely called to the music of the church and I've uh, been privileged to stand sort of in this intersection between the church and the academy and to be a part of uh, training uh, church musicians through the years and then also, uh, as you mentioned, working with the guys from the Baylor Men's Choir, a number of whom... uh, our pastors these days and uh, pastors of various kinds in different churches. So that's been an incredible experience too, but I get to do all kinds of things uh, related to the music of the church really. And all the way from scholarship to practical application and uh, mentoring and all of those things. 
So I wonder, Dr. Bradley, because we specifically asked you, one, because of this beautiful intersection you play um, and your love of music, but specifically to talk to us today about Advent. So before we get into the music piece of it, I wonder, what does Advent mean to you? Well, Advent is really my... um, my next to favorite time of the year, my favorite Sunday of the year is actually Easter. And I love the Easter season, but Advent is very, very important to me. And that I think for too long of my life, from the first years of uh, growing up, I was not in a church that did any liturgical year uh, observations or um, practices. And so I didn't really have this preparing for Christmas and this getting ready time. And I think so many times we find ourselves um, overwhelmed when it's suddenly Christmas is here and we haven't prepared. And Advent helps us to anticipate and to uh, mm-hmm. live each day and to lengthen the days and to uh, spread that time into a meaningful experience. And so I've loved Advent very, very much through the years. I love that. Yeah, yeah I do too. And it's an incredible gift, this time of anticipation. Um, you know, because I feel like sometimes the temptation in the church, even in more liturgical churches, is to look to our high holy days of Easter and Christmas, these big celebrations, these Jesus parties, for lack of a better and more technical term, right? Um, but if we miss out on the work, getting ready for either one, they're not as meaningful as they could be, right? And they don't, God doesn't speak to us in the, quite the same way because our just our ears aren't open in the same way and our hearts aren't open in the same way. Well, and I think this year, especially, we, we need Advent so, so, so much. And I've, um, I was speaking to a group recently, and I said it's been a year where it seems as if we've not even had Easter, and maybe there were no Easter hallelujahs. And certainly, ordinary time was everything but ordinary. And, and here we are at Advent. So I think it's really is an important time that we kind of start over and we uh, let hope um, uh, really guide our lives in a new way. Mm, amen. And, and I know we've asked you to pick a carol that really speaks to you and grips you. And, and what you've picked is, is deeply personally meaningful for you. But as I was encountering it again, I just remembered how much it speaks to this whole year, right? Why don't you share with us what your, your carol that you want us to engage with is? Yeah, uh, the carol that I, I chose, I have so many, many carols that I love, but uh, one that I, I love especially is In the Bleak Midwinter. Mm. Um, and that's a carol that I've known since in all of my adulthood. I guess I was probably a, a young grad student when I first uh, sang this carol. I had not sung it growing up at all, but uh, quickly was uh, taken by at least the last stanza of it and then mm. later explored the other stanzas in much more depth. And also, this is a carol that was the favorite of my uh, late wife who died on January 1st of this year. Uh, And even as late as last Advent, uh, Brenda kept wanting uh, us to play this carol again or to uh, play a recording or on the piano. And then on the 23rd of December, uh, when she was uh, really declining very, very quickly and only having, you know, a few good hours a day, we had uh, two different groups of carolers that came by our house that evening and both groups uh, came in and uh, she wanted them to sing in the bleak midwinter. And fortunately, even though it's not a terribly familiar carol, they were able to pull that off and that uh, really made her happy. 
Mm. Brenda was also an English uh, teacher for 39 years and uh, taught in high school, college, and a lot of different places. And as a as a person who lives their life with words, uh, this this Carol speaks very spoke very well to her and and to me because I, I love words as well because the language is so uh, poignant and meaningful and rich. In the bleak midwinter, icy wind made moan. Earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. I love that you have um, chosen this carol that I don't think people would immediately jump to and immediately think of. And what a beautiful choice of reminding people that God will meet us even in like the seasons that we, you know, there's so much glitter and glitz and wrapping paper and trimmings galore that, you know, thank God for the beauty of that kind of rhythm and the joy that can bring, but also the acknowledgement that not every Advent, not every Christmas is going to feel like that full warmth around the hearth, but sometimes it's going to feel like you are out in the snow and all you see is just blanketed white and it doesn't, it's not going to feel like the beauty that it can be, but it can feel like that. Where is life and where is life coming? So I deeply appreciate that choice and how that has woven in your own story of walking that journey of grief with your own um, wife. I know that I'm in this moment, can't help but get emotional in the midst of it because I'm actually in spring because my dad is in his twilight days. And so I can't help but get prepared for Advent and thinking of this song as well. So thank you for bringing it to us today. Well, and this carol uh, has such stark language. Um, Earth stood hard as iron, uh, water like a stone. Snow had fallen, snow on snow, snow Mm -hmm. on snow. And it repeats it a couple of times, but then it's also such a hopeful carol and such a tender carol and has such a devotional language as well. Yeah. That ending line of, you know, but what can I give him? Mm-hmm. I, you know, give him my heart and just that repetition. It's yeah. such a hopeful, such a, a tender ending. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and for, I, I can imagine why Brenda loved this song so much for somebody who, for who words were so important, right? This is vivid hymnody, right? Vivid imagery. Um, You mentioned about two thirds of the first verse, but the line that catches me the most is frosty wind made moan. Oh man. You know, not only is that hard to sing the first time you sing it, but, but it is just, it grips you, you know, and it does paint this vision. And after the whole verse paints this vision of bleak midwinter, uh, I love how the second verse goes, our God, heaven cannot hold him, nor earth sustain. Uh, even, even in the bleak midwinter, Christ shows up, you know, and that might make this the 2020 uh, carol of the year. Right. Because this has been a year of struggle and hurt and pain. Um, I mean, for you very personally, but for our 
community in our world. And, you know, you mentioned we missed Easter hallelujahs, you know, there's Easter on a computer screen is still Easter, but, but, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's not quite the well, same. Our church has recently done a worship series in the month of November called Hallelujah, Really? And we <laughs> had this whole theme of, you know, that we live hallelujah and how do we sing hallelujah in the midst of pain and how do we continue to be a, a hopeful, forward-looking people in the midst of such hurt and such uh, devastation in our world. And yet that second stanza, um, heaven and earth shall flee away when he comes to reign. It has this hope of heaven and this uh, eschatological idea in there. Uh, as well and yet it says uh, heaven cannot hold him earth or earth sustain and yet a stable place sufficed Um, and god was willing to bend to us and willing to come right down to the very place we were and we Mm. are yeah yeah and i think that's the thing we forget about the very first christmas Right. Because it gets so glitterified and glitzed, as Melissa mentioned earlier. Right. And because we put trumpets on top of brass on top of, you know, we we do it upright. Uh, We forget how radically simple and humble and in the everyday ordinary that Christ showed up that very first Christmas. And how painful, but how that same experience was surrounded by pain and fear. Mm. Yeah. Uh, a lack of knowing and, you know, this uh, lack of assurance, you know, we, we go into Christmas sort of knowing the story, you know, but if we can for a bit imagine that we really don't know how the story ends, then we can, um, we can be a little bit more realistic. And I think that some part of what happened last Advent for our family was we knew Brenda was dying and we knew that she was declining every day, but we didn't know when, and we didn't know, exactly what was going on. And I think, but to think of the starkness of this carol was really um, so uh, right where we were then. And honestly, it's where we are right now. Uh, This is going to be a hard advent in so many different ways. And, you know, facing the beginning of the year is um, not really something I'm up for. And yet um, um, I'm going through it, you know, and we're what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine, um, I love that we've brought this conversation and how can we not to the like 2020, um, the reality of where we are and what's going on in the world and an honest look. But I also imagine as, um, that intersection of the academy space that you live into, I imagine you probably know a little bit more about why was this hymn written? When was it written? That kind of story. I wonder what of that you would know and want to share with us today as well. Yeah, sure. Well, it's. I think it's really uh, incredible that we're having this discussion about this carol that first appeared in a hymnal almost 100 years ago. Uh, it mm. was first, first uh, appeared in the English hymnal 1906, a hymnal that was, uh, the music was edited by uh, Ralph Vaughan Williams is a well-known uh, composer. The, the tune that we usually sing to, to this uh, text is by uh, Gustav Holst, who is also a very uh, important historical figure. But the text is written uh, by um, uh, Rossetti, um, 
by Christina Rossetti, who's a well-known poet and uh, likely the most well-known poet of the 18th century. Uh, it's interesting, too, as I was looking at some of the background of this, uh, that Christina Rossetti died in uh, 1894, and she died on the 29th of December, so just mm. two days before Brenda died, which was just, and she died of cancer. And so I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, I didn't yeah. know that when I told you this was the Carol I wanted to talk about. And yet here are these very close uh, similarities. Wow. Um, she was also a person that understood personal pain. She was um, almost married three different times and it didn't work out for her and uh, things like that. She was uh, well known um the second most well-known poet of her time. Uh, and after um, Elizabeth Barrett Browning's death, uh, Christina Rossetti was considered the most uh, important poet of her day. Um, she wrote a lot of different things, but particularly she was drawn to uh, uh, things for children. So she wrote a lot of poems for mm. children. And it was also interesting that uh, Brenda was a poet as well. And uh, Brenda published a, a book just about a year ago of her poems and um, yeah, and there's a poem that I might read for you at some point uh, when we get to it that, that also connects some dots, Daniel, with our trip to Kenya. It's okay. 2013 in Kenya, but it uh, has elements uh, interpolated from In the Bleak Midwinter along through the poem. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear the poem. If you've got it and we can hear it, that would be a real gift. I do. I have, this is the, the book that um, Brenda's Poetry. And what's the, may I ask, what's the title of the book? The title of the book is called A Few More Minutes. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Which is, a, which is a line from one of the poems in this book. But the poem is called Offerings, and then parenthesis, with apologies to Christina Rossetti. And the poem, uh, this is the poem. Four baskets held open, the people come. What can I give, poor as I am? Wearing colorful dresses their mamas made, little girls giggle shyly to the front of the church, old women in wrapped skirts and head ties dance up the aisle exuberantly. A father envelops his son's small hand and leads him. Some drop single coins in the hollow containers. They lay before the altar a bottle of milk and a stalk of bananas, this family of five. Bananas are plentiful, they say. If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. The village has slaughtered a goat for the welcome feast. We gather around the fire of women squat, squatting on stones to stir the stew and mix meal with precious water. Kneading the dough with knobby hands, they place it proudly in the hot oil. Soon plates are piled high with the cherished food. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Eighteen suitcases stuffed expectantly with t-shirts, underwear, soccer balls, and bubblegum. We remove our baggage from the top of the bus in the dusty park. The treasures are extended with joy to the eager girls. What can I give? Singing and laughing, we walk the dusty road to Shosho's house. Our friends welcome us with brimming pots of ugali, goat, uh, goat stew, and sukumi wiki. Endless platters of bananas, watermelon, yams, and chapati pour from the kitchen all afternoon as we talk and eat. We share and are satisfied. I give my heart. Mm. Mm. What a perfect poem that, like you said, I mean, it is this beautiful bringing forth, but yet universal retelling of this hymn that it's not always snow, 
but you can find the hopeful and colorful tans or uh, y'all were in Kenya, but the Tinga Tinga patterns of Africa and chapati bread that takes me. Mm. I can smell it. It's like a thick tortilla. Yes, absolutely. And Daniel, the uh, you remember going to Shosha's house? I do. And I remember the the goat and the food and the gitch kept coming. And yes, you know exactly. we had a bunch of boys who could eat. <laughs> But the food just kept coming. Absolutely. And it was such a radical gift of hop- hospitality. Mm. And, you know, it was, it was one of those moments where, you know, you're 20 and you may not be that smart yet, but you're smart enough to go, this isn't going to happen every day of my life. Yes. Be yes. present, be aware, this is a gift. Mm. And, and and I hope and pray that it, meant so much to, to all the guys who went, but, you know, hearing Brenda's words took me exactly back to that moment. It was, it was such a gift. I rem- and I remember the worship service that was right before it, you know, yes. uh, cause she yeah. mentioned the, the offering baskets and what will I give? And it ties beautifully into in the bleak midwinter, but I can't help but remember the singing. Oh, yes. yeah. So good. Open air and, just it was one of the nothing like singing in a moment where you know you don't know the language but you know your soul knows the song absolutely yeah. you know it was such a gift yeah and when you were there that day the church was really open air it was just really just kind of a top and now the church is developed and um, mostly built and it's been you know little by little all through the you know 15 years that I've been traveling there very good that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I love when relationships like that can develop between churches or universities mm-hmm. and the places that we go to. Cause I think one of the other things I love about this poem is the immediate looking and seeing the gifts that you receive when you go to these places. I think sometimes we have a bad tendency to go on short-term mission trips and have this mindset of, I'm going to do something for you. But really, I think what we encounter and what that poem showed us, that the encounter is really God encounters us and God shows us how God is already so vibrantly alive in the people. And we have so much to see in the bleak midwinter space of what can you give? You can give a stock of bananas. You can give your heart. You can give these things. And that's what God cares about. Mm. And I think, Melissa, that uh, it, you could go to a place like Africa and so easily uh, only see the scarcity and only see the lack of, and yet uh, these people live in abundance. And I have loved the way that Brenda captured the abundance and I've um, been talking to the men's choir this fall, Daniel, about uh, that we make a choice of living in abundance and that abundance, Mm -hmm. there's plenty of God, there's plenty to go around. And in a time when, um, you know, so much of our country seems to be uh, settling on scarcity and we have to we have to hold our own and we have to fight for ourselves and yet being bigger hearted and being more open. And then that fits in right to the, what can I give poor as I am? I give my heart and Mm. I, we always have something to give and there's always more for us. And I think in this time when we're um, feel so limited, I think it's really important that we fully uh, explore what we do have. And I was a, 
talking to someone recently and said, you know, as hard as it is for me to try to be grateful in this time, I'm really trying to be grateful that Brenda and I had 37 years together rather than the fact that she's gone and to say, you know, she is gone and I wish she were here, but I, we did have this and we had a really wonderful life together. So I think those are choices that we make and they're not, mm-hmm. doesn't mean they're easy or, or glib or there's nothing like that, no. but it's still, it's still part of a story and it's still reality. And I think this poem goes from the bleakness to the abundance and uh, to, yeah. I think there's such a beautiful like um, dichotomy that you kind of um, pointed at there of that the more material abundance we have, sometimes the more scarce we can become with our generosity, with our hospitality and our abundance in these non-tangible things. Whereas I think what we see when we go to places, whether that's in the poorest piece of Waco, Texas, or Cleburne, Texas, or Africa, right? Where wherever we travel into those spaces, whether a mile or thousands, um, we see that where there's scarcity of material, there's often abundance mm-hmm. of love and generosity and hospitality. Um, so it's it's one of those good checks for us to in this Advent season where. You know, we're told by every commercial, by everything we're going to listen to, every ad placement and any TV show we watch is going to be telling us that we need more stuff. And this can be one of those beautiful um, balancing equations to hold on to this carol and Brenda's beautiful poem to remember, okay, do we need more stuff or do we need more abundance? Yes. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Beautifully said. Absolutely. The ending line, I give you my heart. I think sometimes a tangent to this piece of abundance for those of us who are comfortable financially, right? It can be easier to give money or to give stuff and we can hold our heart in reserve. We can hold ourselves back. And, you know, in stewardship, we're talking about stewardship stuff in the church right now. And so, um, you know, I've, I deeply believe scripture gives us tithe as, as a foundation point, right. But it's aimed at the spirit of it, not at a legalistic sort of, you know, we're going to get your tax return and start doing math and doing all that stuff because there are people who could give 1% and fully, wholly give themselves. Right. And then there's others who could give 25 and it still wouldn't click. Brenda's invitation in her poem, the invitation in this is a holistic surrender mm-hmm. to the hope, even in the midst of pain that's right. and uncertainty and unknowing. Yeah. And I think that's an incredible gift. It is. It is. Dr. Bradley, I wonder what, what one final point would you want to share? What last thing would you want to share about this, this carol? I think to um, recognize that um, life is always uh, lived somewhere between uh, immense joy and deep sadness. Mm-hmm. And I think that most of our life is lived somewhere in ordinary time, in ordinary days, in um, just the days that we don't really think about very much. 
and I think to recognize that and to be grateful for that mid middle space. And um, then when we are very, very uh, joyful and incredibly happy or whatever we want to say, I think to, to realize as, as Daniel said a little bit ago about being in Kenya to know where we are and to realize that we, that this is really, really a special time. And then I think when life is really um, hard and, it's um, cold and dark and snowy that we also realize that this is a time that is part of the whole scheme of things. And this is not the time that will last any more than the uh, extreme exuberance. And I think the same way we, our culture says we need to have everything. It also says we need to be, uh, we need to be, uh, giddy and uh, even in all of those kinds of words and skippy and what have you, that that's the norm. And if we're not that way, then something is wrong with our life when really our life is not meant to be uh, always happy. And I think mm -hmm. to realize the more uh, when we've experienced admit sadness, then we recognize joy much more. And then we even recognize a uh, normal time because when we're really, really sad, being normal would be amazing. And we would long for that. So I, I've been thinking a whole lot about just the, the whole issue of gratitude and what does hope really mean and how do we get through this time? And I think it's recognizing the reality of where we are right now, as this Carol so, so beautifully does, but also uh, not forgetting that there's hope, but hope doesn't have a timetable. Um, you know, we thought everything was going to be great by May and life was going to be a lot better. And then we said, oh, well, by the time school starts, September is the, the magic moment. And then in September, we said, well, I think we can last till Christmas. And then here we are and we're looking at the new year. And so I think um, not to put a time, not to put a timeline on hope, but to recognize that hope really is always there. It's eternal as we often hear, um, but hope is hope is hope. Uh, hope has no timeline. Exactly. Mm, yeah, that that stuck with me too, Doctor Bradley. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. We appreciate your time and your wisdom and your willingness to share this deeply personal uh, Carol with us and the story that it means for you. Well, thank you very much, Daniel. And thank you, Melissa. What a pleasure it is for me to get to visit with you all. And thank you for um, giving me um, an excuse to dig deeper into myself and to think through this. I appreciate that so much. Thank you. So I hope, I hope you're okay with it, Dr. Bradley. You are the second Baylor men's choir um, person to make an appearance on this podcast because last Lent we had Charlie Blake tell us a story about Lent on the podcast. Wow. Well, how do you know Charlie? Do you know him from uh, Baylor? Charlie was one of my college students when I was at the Baylor Wesley's. What an amazing young man. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, goodness. We'll have to link that uh, now in the like comment section of this podcast. You did, if you missed this one, go. Yeah. We'll have the we'll have the Baylor men's choir uh, like playlist of our <laughs> podcast. Oh. <laughs> we'll have to get Tom Wordley on at some point. He's over here at Cleburne Bible Church and yeah. has been here a while. So, well, there's so many men's choir guys that are doing such amazing things.
are so thankful for Dr. Bradley's presence with us here on the podcast. And we also want to say thank you for joining us today on the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. And I'm Pastor Melissa. And we hope that you would invite someone to listen to this podcast. We hope that this beautiful outlook on the bleak midwinter would be an invitation for you to share it with someone else that you know has really struggled with either 2020 or who has really had a hard time finding hope in this Advent season. Would you shoot them this podcast so that they might find hope and find tenderness to greet them from a Christ who's too big for heaven and too big for earth and meet us in the midst of all of it. Amen. Now that we have gathered together, I want to give you an invitation to grow and it's centered in that one line that'll stick with me for a while. Hope has no timeline. When we find ourselves in the midst of a bleak midwinter, I invite you to remember that hope has no timeline. When things are so amazing and overwhelming and joy and we feel like we couldn't live in this space much longer, remember that hope is more than our feeling and it doesn't have a timeline. Hope is with us because Christ is with us. Even when the midwinter is bleak and the frosty winds are moaning. And now go, receive this benediction, this blessing that's meant to be lived out as you go from this place this week. May you encounter God in the twilight. May you encounter Christ in an abundance that has no attachment to material things. And may you go reciting and claiming, proclaiming, I'll give him my heart. I'll give him my heart. May you go in peace. Amen. Amen.